Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In case we haven't met, I'm Dino Colombo. I represent people hurt by a truck. It's what we do every day. Navigating the law can be tough, but we're tougher. Let us handle the fight. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I am your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in Madrid, Spain. And in today's show, we're going to talk about Xavi's first match and, more importantly, beating Espanyol and getting those most crucial three points. And joining me today is Troy Cadet from our Patreon community. Troy, ¿qué tal? ¿Cómo estás? Hey, Gabriel. How are you? Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Just, uh, you know, just trying to mull over this match that we saw yesterday. We're recording tonight on Sunday, and we're just going to dive deep here into some of the things that we we pointed out. Uh, you know, obviously, we're very, we're both very excited. As we talked about on the Friday show about Xavi uh, finally becoming the manager, and you know, Saturday night was finally the the test, right? After yeah. two weeks of basic preparation, uh, one of the first things I want to talk about was the pregame ambiance. Now. You know, there was in our WhatsApp group, there was a lot of people, you know, showing videos. And obviously, Mariana was sharing videos and pictures from the stadium. There was something definitely in the air. And you can hear it on the TV screen when you're watching the match. Uh, what did you think about the pregame ambiance to this match? Yeah, uh, to me, it reminded me of like an El Clasico game. I mean, you saw the videos and it, and maybe it's just the content that's being provided, you know, on the via the different sources. But I saw a lot of videos of, you know, groups of fans, you know, marching up to the stadium, you know, they're some, some of them, they were doing, you know, a little bit of the smoke outside, you know, they're doing the blue and, and red, Belgrana colors outside and, and uh, the, you know, the drums were going, it just looked very festive outside leading up into the game. And then obviously, as you mentioned, you could feel the atmosphere inside. I think there was like 74, 75,000 people attending this game. Uh, I'm not sure if that was like the, the most attended game this year. Uh, it was, it's pretty close, if not the most attended game this year. So it was definitely much, much different than what we've seen this year so far. Yeah. And also, you know, in our group, we were talking as well that most of us were really excited about this match as well. Just getting back into the flow of you yeah. know, just getting excited to watch the match as it is, because I know, especially the last, you know, maybe five, six Kuman games, I, it was really difficult to watch, you know, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, not only not only the team wasn't performing, but they're also like we said, it was lacking this identity or this optimism, even that. And now with Xavi coming in, you know, everyone was was psyched and obviously from the pregame videos that we saw. And, you know, I have this in my notes, you know, I just imagine if Chavi would have come to the beginning of the season, maybe this hype of this season uh, would have been better. You know, maybe we would have had more yeah. participation in the stadium earlier and more support in that way. Because I just feel that Chavi just brings so many things like goodwill and, you know, obviously taking the coaching away from that, right? Obviously legend player. I just feel like he's more connected to the Barca community, maybe because obviously he's a more recent player than Kuman. 
But I just think those vibes would have really helped beginning of the season, especially with Laporta's new kind of tenure, you know, and I think that would have really yeah. helped. Now, you had kind of a counter opinion about this, but, you know, I wanted to hear your opinion of, you know, I know the money issue was always the issue with Kuman and so forth, you know, sacking him at the beginning of the year. But again, I just feel like you, you to have a new coach coming at the beginning of the season, having him have a preseason I mean, I just look at what we saw last night already with just the pregame, the crowd, the excitement. Man, we could have really used that back in August, September. Yeah, we certainly could have. And I'm sure that if Chavi would have, you know, come in, in the summertime, uh, it probably the the low levels that we had certainly would not have happened. But yeah, like I put in the notes, you know, sometimes it needs to get really bad for you to appreciate the good times. <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, even though it was painful for all of us as, as Barca fans to experience this the last couple of months, you know, you do, you do certainly uh, appreciate, you know, we, you know, the winning times and, and, and the team having an identity and the whole atmosphere yesterday, again, you appreciate it much more than if we would have started off the season and, and, you know, things would have been going fine and we knew that a project had been started and, and we were moving forward. So, Again, it's hard to say. I think we all will agree we would have been in a much better place after what we saw yesterday, and we're going to dig into that. Um, but the appreciation levels are certainly, I think, for me and for other people that I talked to yesterday before and after the game, the appreciation levels are certainly at its highest because of the painful uh, events and the painful way that the season has started. So, so yeah. And like I had said, I think it's given Chavi – more time to get ready. Um, I certainly believe that he was, uh, yes, always had the goal of coaching Barca, but I do believe that he was focused on his task at hand at Al-Sad about coaching them to being the best team that they were. And, you know, as this thing, all this process all happened of Kuman in this, the way that the season went, I think at some point in time, he said, all right, I got to start looking at uh, this is going to happen. We all know that this is going to happen at some point in time. I need to start preparing. And like I had put in the notes, I don't remember who reported this. Some It wasn't, this isn't anything that I knew from insider information, but uh, like I put in there, um, one of Chavi's assistants came home for a couple months for some personal issues from Al-Sad. And what he did is while he was back at home in Barcelona, he went and went to every Barca B game. I don't know if he had access to training as well, but he at, at least went to every Barca B game and was able to scout that team for the last two months. And I, from what I've heard or whoever reported this said that he has pages upon pages of scouting reports on this team. Again, could Xavi have done this if he started in, you know, in August or, you know, July and August, could they have scouted the Barca B team? Yeah. But like I said, I think that all of this, you know, this preparation has come together and, and, and created maybe a better uh, place for him to start, I guess, uh, than if he would have started in the summer. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good. Point. It's right. Again, I'm just romanticizing because, you know, I just feel, you know, <laughs> yes. obviously if he would have came in, you know, we would maybe would have had less injuries, you know, better fitness yeah. from the get go. So and let's that goes well, to my next true. point is is yeah. the fitness last night. And yeah. I was joking around watching the watching the match with a friend of mine here. And I was saying, you know, it's amazing how much better you look when you're in shape, right? I mean, just think yeah. about when you were in the best shape of your life, right? Yep. I can remember when I was playing football, I was playing, you know, five to seven days a week, two times. I was just like, and running around for 80 minutes was very easy, right? Because you were just doing yeah. that so easy. And I got the impression last night, especially in the first half, especially, 
they definitely had a bounce to their step and they yep. just looked more active. And you know who's my barometer for this is Jordi Alba. Yeah. Jordi Alba is going down and not looking like he's an old man aggravating out yep. there, you know, like doing the old man yeah. walk and, and facial expressions. Then that gives me a good barometer of the team. Did yeah. you see that? Did you notice it as well? Well, yeah, Busquets too. So he's a good barometer of what's going on, right? I mean, he goes and plays for the Spanish national team, looks like he's 10 years younger, comes back to Barca this year and plays and looks like he's 10 years older. So you're like, what? what is going on? What's missing? So yeah, those two are very good barometers of the uh, pace that the team's going to have. And then, yes, I think we talked about this for, for the Friday for the Barca Cafe, that the, well, ex the expectation was they're going to come out and have high tempo, high pace, and, and intensity, in which they did. I think any, most Barca fans would have uh, would have forecasted that what's going to happen. You obviously saw that fall off. Yes, uh, that, that doesn't make next point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so you saw that. So there's a lot of work to do as far for as sure. fitness levels. I believe they'll certainly get there. Um, you know, it's funny though, when you're, and I've seen this t times in the past, soccer, football, American football, whatever sport it is, if you try to do a fitness change within the year, what normally happens is you'll see some games or the fitness levels will be higher. You'll see that normal drop off later in the game goes, but then what it's almost like a, it's almost like a peak and valley. What'll happen is, is, and, and hopefully I'm wrong, but normally what happens is like that third or fourth game in to a training regimen, the body is now tired because you're pushing it to its limits. So we might see a game three or four games down the road where they come out and they're a little bit stale. Uh, and everyone's going to be like, what's going on? Like, Oh no, you know, old bars is back. I wouldn't yeah. have, you know, let's not jump, jump on that. I think what's happening is the body is in transition. And then what normally happens is, is you hit that, you hit that peak and then they come out and their fitness level has then, you know, increase to the levels that they want to. So that from here on out, uh, they should they should be able to keep up the pace. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's what I was talking about because the second half, obviously, I, I noted it at the 65th minute is right when you you could just yeah. see them walking and the, obviously the, the aggression of the press started to die down. Yeah. And Espanol kind of took over the match a little bit more uh, where they kind of sunk their teeth. And, you know, I was very impressed with Espanol's uh, performance yesterday because yeah. they didn't, they're, you know, typically in this derby, right? It's very physical and Espanol holds on to dear life because Barca's talent usually is outnumbered, right? But to yep. Espanol. But I think Espanol did really smart to withhold, you know, obviously they knew there was going to be a burst of energy and so forth. And they're just, they just seem to me like the typical, like kind of professional La Liga team, right? They have players that have been there. They knew at the moment when they take over the match, when they when they realized that Barca were tired and they started to have more scoring opportunities, luckily they didn't find the back of the net, but there was some close calls. But just to kind of finish off on the fitness, you know, I I think that obviously the next two games are going to be definitely better because obviously with, uh, you know, after a match, doing the recovery during the week. But again, you know, I think they're going to be hitting their stride in December, yeah. right before the break, unfortunately, and they're going to have another break. But that's <laughs> yeah. that's going to be good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, obviously the fitness level is huge because you know, especially how Chavi wants the midfield to play with the with the aggression of the defensive pressing and all that, but just the movement I think is going to go a long ways. Now, I would definitely think the bright spot last night is the midfield. Just watching yeah. these youngsters again, and I know Gavi was playing out of out of place, but again, uh, I, I want to start off with Frankie because. I think we saw, you know, moments last night where we were like, yes, that is the Frankie that yep. we want. Yep. And I also thought that Chavi did a really interesting thing of, 
having Frankie go through the middle more where they were trying to find him on over overhead balls there. What did you think about Frankie's performance last night against Espanol? Yeah, I mean, that's you're, you're dead on. We saw those flashes of what we thought that we were going to get, you know, when he went on that run with uh, Ajax in that Champions League run. Um, like I put in the notes, I think he's been muted out of being a utility player for Komen to make up for weaknesses uh, on either the players or lack of fitness or everything that he had in his program. So we need to see Frank Frankie unleashed. He needs to be the leader of that midfield. He is the elder statesman, at, at, even at a young age that he is. But quite frankly, move, pushing forward, uh, he is the most talented player that they have. Uh, um, Gavi's talented. Nico's talented. Pe- Pedri's talented. They're all talented. But but Frankie, by far, pushing forward, has the most talent on creating and being able to score. He, he can score if he's in position. Um, and so we saw, like you mentioned, we saw some flashes of that. The one time he was by far offsides, uh, the timing was off. Nico hung onto the ball a little bit, you know, t- took too many touches on there that, you know, they'll work on that timing or whatever, but he could make a huge difference on in that final third of that transition from the midfield into the final third. And I had, I had put this so many times in our WhatsApp group or midfield, under Kuman, we're never breaking lines. They were never pushing forward. We are always passing to the outside and doing the same thing. You know, then we went into the crosses phase. So we <laughs> definitely need that midfield uh, to not just be pivots and, and passing to the outside. We need that midfield breaking lines and pushing forward in the middle for creating additional opportunities. Yeah, I think that's the evolution, right? Of just using yeah. the attacking element that we have with these midfielders to go forward to find other ways to attack because we're going to talk about the attack later on. But, you know, one of the things with Frankie, like, I, you know, obviously I thought he had some improvements last night, just breaking those lines much more than he did. And obviously yeah. Barca looking for that. That's the other thing. You know, it's one thing if you're making those runs to create space, but if you're never being looked at, you know, it's just right. kind of a wasted run, right? And so yeah. uh, I thought that was good that Barca were actually using that opportunity. I would say the only thing I am still want Frankie a little bit more is I just feel sometimes he's always playing the safe pass. And that's yeah. just uh, something I see all the time, trying not to make the mistake. I kind of want him to take a little bit more chances because since our t- our midfield, you know, they're young and they're talented, I think we still lack that maybe, I don't know if I want to say like looseness of it. You know, I know like yep. – you know, ball security is important and so forth. But when you're in the final third, I think you can take that chance to make a play here because who knows what's going to happen. If it results in a goal, then everyone's going to be happy about it, right? And so yeah. I think I think maybe that's the last element I want to see Frankie push a little bit more is to maybe take players more 1v1, maybe take more chances with more creative passes and look to score more often when he does his top-of-the-box uh, movement because I think if he can add that just more times in a match. I think that's just going to open up uh, more spaces behind him and onto the side of him where he can dish it off and find other players and get involved. Because I think if he gets, you know, more in that attacking space and that headspace, man, he could be really lethal for Barca in the future. Yeah. And I think you will see that when uh, his trust and the team's trust on their defensive press uh, is better. So up till now, up till when we see this new, you know, new Barca with Xavi, up till now, think about it. If if he was dangerous with the ball, and we've seen this a lot, the midfield being dangerous with the ball, that usually, uh, you know, started a transition the other way. 
And that's when we, you know, we were just sliced and diced by the other team. It was always that midfield making an errant pass and boom, boom, boom. Here we are. The other team's down the field. And that's where we're like at our worst is when we're on a defensive transition and we, you know, it's one-on-one or two-on-two, whatever it is, that's when they would score on us so quick. So I think he's gun shy right now uh, because if he did make a bad pass, uh, again, chances are that transition would happen to us quickly. Sure. If you have a, if you have a team that's doing a defensive press, even if even you know when you do take those chances like you talked about you're in in his percentage will certainly go up at through practice and in the timing of the team but if he did make an errant pass and there was a there was a takeaway by the other team if you're pre, if you're doing a defensive press properly like Chavi wants them to chances are Barca gets the ball back right away i mean that's what that's what Chavi's preaching so you're not as worried by by you know by taking that attempt or by trying to thread the needle on those passes uh, if you know that the team has your back versus what they've been doing where the team did not have your back, you had to be safe with everything you did, which which we saw, which made our offense absolutely vanilla and not creating any chances, which, again, then just the way that we played with Kuman, nobody wanted it, – it all worked plays together. It all worked together. It was vanilla. Nobody wanted to come to the games. And, and again, that's where we saw no ambiance, you know, from up till now. So, yeah, it's a good point. And the, yeah. the midfielder that I'm, I'm very quickly uh, falling in love with is Nico. Uh, yeah. Troy, I, to me, Nico is the midfielder with that we have been lacking for so long. Yeah. I think I, he's almost like Puyol as a midfielder to me, yeah. but obviously I, you know, obviously better, better footed uh, as a midfielder. Yeah. Uh, but man, just watching him, I love players like this. The players that, you know, like I, when I think of like great midfielders, you know, like to me, uh, when I, when I think of Patrick Vieira, right? Like just yeah. the way he was a physical specimen and he just was defensively just so smart and was able to to pick out passes but then just the physicality that he brought to the game i think nico has that aspect to him and i like that i like that he is kind of that in the face type of midfielder that we haven't had because most of our midfielders have been very you know i would say classy respectful obviously very talented and so forth we never had a voice like that you can see the fouls that he doesn't get yells at the ref and i kind of like this fire are you <laughs> yeah. are you falling in love with nico as much as i am yeah well i think i've again in the whatsapp group i've mentioned that many times i've watched him and gavi you know in the in the juvenile a teams uh for the past couple years you know through barca tv which you know i certainly appreciated being able to see them but he's a big kid i think he's like six foot six foot one i mean he is a big kid has great ball control as well. And yeah, I could see him being the, I agree with you. I could see him being the, the center of that midfield where obviously he has the ability to, to move forward and, and make plays and make passes. He also has the ability on that defensive side of getting back because the transition game is not going to go away regardless of what Barcelona does. Yeah. That's what most other teams are relying on today is that, you know, playing the low block defense and then taking advantage of transition. So we're going to need a big, fast, you know, player like what what he has, and that can get physical, right? I mean, this is it, you need to have somebody that can shut that down on the defensive side, and we haven't had that in forever. Um, you know, having that presence in the midfield. So 
the more he plays, the better he gets, uh, the better Barca's going to get. And I'll tell you, he had, I did find a, a, a quote on Twitter. Uh, he did an interview and he was talking about uh, already training with Xavi. And he didn't really talk about Koeman, but he just talked about the difference of training with Xavi. And he's talking about that Xavi, you know, has already told them, you know, what he wants from them, you know, what he wants from them as far as on the offensive side and what he wants from them on the defensive side. So, and that was a big part that this team was missing and, and not to go round and round, but you and I were t- have talking about the, you know, the difference in coaching, but when you have these young kids in there, you have to tell them what they should be doing. You can't just go put them on the field and, and, and think that they're going to, ex- or expect that they're going to know. So, so yes, watching him, I mean, we're at the beginning here. He did roll his ankle yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked on TV, I think it looked worse than what it actually is. I've actually rolled my ankle a ton of times like that. And initially it kills, but like a day or so later, it's fine. So I think that that's what you saw with them. I'm hoping and keep my fingers crossed. I have not checked to see if they came out with an injury report on him. But again, here's the benefit. You got an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid that's starting that Chavi's going to take under his wing because of his, because of his experience. And, and that's what I put in our notes. I just look at our midfield with Nico, Pedri, Gavi, Frankie, and just, I'm like, my God, you know, by the end of this year, next year, and the year after that, and then on, we are going to have the greatest midfield in all of football. I have no doubts about that. No doubt. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's, that's what really excites me. You know, if yeah. I were to maybe take a chance more right now this season, if I were Xavi, I would sit Busquets and I would just go with Frankie, yeah. Pedri, and Dico. That would be my three if I was going to go three. And then if I go four, add in Busquets, right? And yeah. I think obviously the midfield, like you said, just the youth and the talent right now, it's incredible. I mean, it really is incredible. Yeah. Like Gavi playing last night, he played left wing is obviously not his natural position. Right. But you saw the passes he was able to find and the flair that he has. And obviously we've seen him play for the Spanish national team already. So again, the sky's the limit with this, with this trio quadruple players of of the midfield, which is crazy because again, like you said, they're all like under 24, under 23. Frankie, Frankie (laughs) be the, the elder statesman, right? He's the old guy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's pivot to the defense really quick. I think, you know, I think the defense definitely looked uh, more organized and obviously the pressing because of the pressing was more organized. Espanol was limited to chances. But as we talked about in the 65th minute on, it was a lot of back and forth going on. We had some players go off with injury. We had to bring in some subs. We brought in Coutinho, Araujo and so forth. Again, I still think the defense uh, is a patchwork. I think it's going to improve uh, in the season. But I still have my doubts about Eric. I, I don't see why he's starting over Longley, for example. Like to me, I, I yeah. feel like Longley is a little bit more clumsy at times, obviously, with the yellows that he yeah. gets. But at the same time, I think he's more physical. And I think Eric lacks that. I think which is surprising because I thought for sure he would have gained that experience in the Premier League training at Man City under Pep and so forth, understanding the physicality of the, of the Premier League, because now he gets bossed around way too much for my liking and he gets yeah. crossed up. I mean, obviously he didn't make uh, major mistakes last night that I would, would say, but I just think Longley for me is just a better choice. What do you think? Are you, are you still on with Eric or would you rather see Longley uh, get more playing? Yeah, time? I'm, I'm torn on that one. I really am because, you know, sometimes Eric looks really good. And, and I guess when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, playing for the national team as well. You know, he's been playing for those guys. 
So sometimes he looks good to me and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the guy that, you know, I have seen before in, in the youth part. And uh, we didn't see him that much at, at Man City because, you know, last year he hardly played. Uh, but then there's times where I like look at him and say, what did you, why, why, why'd you do that? Like he has made some really silly fouls and really taken himself out of position sometimes. And so my excuse for him at those times were, okay, maybe they didn't have a good game plan. Maybe they weren't being coached again, like we've been talking about on the defensive side. And so, you know, maybe those were his issues. So I'm torn. There are times where I think, yeah, he could be the future. There are times where I say, man, he needs a lot of work. He, you know, there's going to have to a lot of, be a lot of coaching here. He does need to hit the, hit the weight room. This is the defensive side. These players, they, it's a physical game. And he's pretty, he's pretty skinny. And so I look at him and I'm like, man, I would really like to see you, you know, hitting the, hitting the weight room, not to jump back, but I saw, I saw Gabby yesterday and, you know, getting some arms on him as a young kid. So <laughs> I know somebody, I know some of the players are hitting the weight room Yeah. Uh, and, and hopefully and it hasn't been reported on, but I saw him yesterday. I'm like, he's doing something. You could definitely see there were some noticeable gains in uh, muscle on his arms. So Eric needs to do that as well. He needs to become, you know, stronger. Sure. And uh, I don't want to write him off yet. Uh, he was definitely, he's definitely, the defense is definitely, you know, a group that we need to see what, you know, Chavi and his, his coaching staff can do with them. Um, but yeah, yesterday, you know, I don't think that if we had long lay in there, uh, I, I think he probably would have been a little bit stronger. Um, but I think the problem with long lay is everybody, you know, is worried about him with those fouls in the box and teams taking advantage of it and targeting him. Uh, and he would do some silly fouls in there and, you know, and, and give the other team pen. So the whole defense is a work in, in, in progress. Uh, they need to, they need to certainly improve vastly. So uh, Chavi certainly has his work cut out for him on that defensive side. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. He needs to go. Uh, buddy up with Nico as well because Nico is yeah. a physical specimen as well, and I think yep. Yep. I don't think Nico has a problem hitting the weights. You know, I, I can see no. him definitely doing the squats and so forth. Yeah. Again, my preference would be Arahu. I mean, I, I love the way he yeah. plays. You know, he has that kind of mean streak in him, but obviously he's unable to sustain not being injured. You know, his body yeah. for whatever reason. So obviously Arahu would be my my first choice, and then going forward maybe uh, you know. Longley or Eric, I, I, that's what makes it difficult because there's not a plain difference, right? Because you have get right. positives and negatives with both. And it's kind of like, and they both can play with PK, which is good. So you can yeah. kind of interchange them. But again, the defense still needs some help. And obviously, you know, in the sec, especially the last 15 minutes, it was definitely Espanol dominating some of the attack. And again, they had chances, but Ter Stegen was able to keep them. They got lucky off the post one time. And yeah, yeah so we'll see. But, you know, again, <laughs> yeah. I, I right now I'm looking at this. The defense will come, I think, you know, with our midfield, with the youth and the speed stuff, yeah. they're going to help with the transition defense. We did not see that many counterattacking opportunities, which was good. So that's obviously yeah. uh, a, a step in the right direction. Let's talk about the attack because that's really kind of uh, maybe one of the things that's most frustrating right now because yep. – you know, last night, you know, he had to do a patchwork lineup in the wings. He had Gavi, yeah. he had Memphis, and then we had Ilyash getting his debut last night. And, you know, I've always been talking about this, and it, this was with Messi and, and for the last eight years, how much we love the left side 
of the field. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it has to do with all yeah. of that stuff, but man, for a team that philosophizes on spacing yeah. to ignore the right side as much as they do, I just don't get it because yes, yeah. Ilias had like eight chances last night on that wing and yeah, he's young and he lost the ball a couple of times, but a couple of times he had flashes where he was able to do one, yeah. one. but more importantly, yeah. like if you're to, in any sport, if you know, one team is always going to do the same thing. It's easy to defend, right? And yeah. I don't know where you want to start with this. Let's start with Memphis, right? I think Memphis is lost still. And one of the yep. things that drives me crazy about him right now as a Barca striker is the amount of times he loses the ball and or makes the wrong choice. Like if he needs to go forward, he doesn't. If he comes back, he doesn't. You know, it's like the wrong anticipation move. So what are your feelings on Memphis so far, especially like in this last month or two? Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, when he when they had that first game, uh, the first game uh, against uh, Juventus in the preseason, you know, he scored a beautiful goal, but he was it was in space. He had space to attack, and I thought, oh man, here we go. Like, you know, he is definitely a good player. In the last month or two, not so much. It seems he's always receiving the ball with his back to the goal, which I've always thought that that's a big no no because. Um, by time you turn and make a move and turn around, you're going to have defenders on you, especially uh, teams when we're playing and they're already in the low block and they got nine guys in the box. You, you just can't do it. So uh, he does. Yes, he does look lost. He needs to make up his mind. If he's receiving the ball, he should already know what he's going to be doing with the ball. To me, he's making up his mind once he has the ball. And, and that has just totally slowed him down. You know, the player defenders are already on him. He has a ton of giveaways. Uh, actually, some of the biggest, you know, transitional uh, goals on us come, came from him just flat yeah, out giving right. the ball away. Like, I'm not sure where he was even going with it. And again, I don't think his mind is made up. So they're going to have to look at what they do with him. He is not a, in my opinion, some people might argue with me, he is not a one or I should say he's not a one-on-one player and maybe he is, if he has the ball and he's moving forward, maybe he's more effective there, but for whatever reason, like I said, he's always receiving the ball with his back. He's at the top of the box. He's got his back to the, to his own goal. And then he's trying to do something and, and he's really ineffective at, at doing that and has killed a ton of momentum in multiple games by doing that. And that's the biggest thing we now, you know, we started to move the ball around, you know, uh, somewhat. And then all of a sudden he'll do his little thing. And he's, he always tries to do this thing where he keeps his back and then he'll pass the ball. And then he tries to turn and do like a 180 and receive the ball on the other side. Well, everybody knows you're going to do that now. And they just, you know, kick it out of there. And so, so yeah, he definitely needs to have some work put in. The problem is, is we don't have that many people that can strike like he does when he is good. So they, they're going to have to put a game plan in for him to make him effective again. Cause in my opinion, he has not been effective. The farther we've gone in the season, the worse that he's got as far as effectiveness. Yeah, it's a good point. It reminds me of like uh, in basketball, like a low post player, like going juking left, juking right, juking yeah. left, juking right, you know, and then never doing <laughs> yeah. anything. And it's like, I got yeah. the ball, you know? Uh, yeah. No, it's a good yeah. point. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, as Luis Suarez did that was so subtly great is that when he first joined Barcelona, he always kind of let the space between him and the defender so he could receive it with his yeah. first touch, whether it was on the yep. left side or the right side. And that's a really hard thing to do because 
when you're up, you know, with no partnership, right? You're just the center forward up there. A lot depends on you, you know, a lot depends on you and you have to, you know, obviously goal scoring is the most important, but also you're creating space behind you. You need to occupy two defenders, these type of things. And Memphis just isn't doing that for me. Like last night, yeah. a couple of times he would take it all the way to the end line. It's like, what are we doing here? You're not going to be able to score from there. <laughs> yeah. And then he gives yeah. a bad pass off to Alba or someone, you know? Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, my philosophy, I know is kind of counterintuitive on this, is that I believe Barca should just be taking every counterattack opportunity they have and just take it to the house. Because yep. I think for whatever, you know, I, I know what the reason is. It's just like the defenders on the other team are stacking up the box. We don't have the lethal uh, finishing like we used to with Messi outside the box. So, with that, I think we just have to take our opportunities more and use Memphis's speed to just have them just go straight forward, try to finish and go from there. Because as we've as we've been talking about, like he just cannot hold the ball. He loses the ball. They lead to counterattacking defense and or counterattacking opportunities for the other team. And so, you know, we've seen what that happens. I really hope, uh, you know, I think obviously because he also favors the left side too. So when you have Alba yeah. on the left side, Memphis favoring the left side, the, the attack always going to the left side, it makes it easier. You know, one, one of the situations with like last night, I maybe would have put Gavi on the right side and maybe yeah. that gives more confidence to the midfield to give him the ball on the right side because it seems like whoever's on the right side always feels like they're on an island. You know, if it's a yeah. you know, Dest or, who, you know, whoever, we go down the, the history. And to me, it's always uh, real estate we're underutilizing. You know, I mean, yeah. we have the stat here, this, you know, 38 positional attacks, you know, on the left compared to yep. eight, you know? And so that's, yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Because when, if you're an opposing, opposing coach looking at this, you're like, they're never going to touch the right side. We don't, we just focus on the left and there you go. And you just clog yeah. it and you see what happens. Now, obviously Memphis did get penalty though. I thought it was a little bit soft. Yeah, uh, this, this is one of the situations, Troy, where I just don't get VAR for whatever reason. I would have liked to seen, you know, properly that it goes to VAR and they neglect the, the penalty kick and then that's it and we move on and we play yeah. on right that would have been the proper protocol now he did convert so obviously he got the goal but again it's just man I, I just want more from the attack because we do have uh talented players and i don't know i just really hope that chavi can unleash memphis a little bit more maybe having him drift to the right side a bit more using his left foot on strikes because i think that may open up more opportunities for him where he's just not because uh, it seems like every time he gets the ball, he's surrounded by three people at once. Yeah. Well, and I think r real quickly, I think tactically that will be rectified your, where you're talking about uh, going on to the left a lot. I think obviously what Chabi will see that his options for the right side are a tad bit limited right now. So somebody's going to have to step up, um, you know, until Dembele is ready to come back until, you know, obviously in January when all this can be pushing up on that. Yeah. And Fatih. So, tactically he'll have to change some things and I think he will. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he will. Um, those young guys real quick, they can't play here in, in the game versus Benfica. So I'm not sure if everybody knows that. Uh, Ilyash has got a red card from the youth league. So that takes him out and Abde is not uh, registered. So we're not going to have those two to create with on the right side. So <laughs> tactically Chavi's really going to have to put some work in to get us some width on that right side and, and even up that attack. It'll be some good work for him on a short window to get that oh done God. for, yeah. But no, we'll see. no, yeah, no rest for the weary on this one because, yeah, uh, yes, we are 
in better position in the group, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but still, man, like this is such a yeah. difficult game, especially not having those players available. I mean, who do we put in? Obviously, he's going to use Gavi up there again, probably. Yeah. And but again, who else? I mean, who who? Yeah. I mean, what in the Coutinho is obviously probably going to get a start too, maybe because yeah. you don't have any other options. Uh, yeah. It's really going to be a difficult match. It's Tuesday night. Luckily, it's at home, so that's that's a yeah. good thing. Uh, if they can get the same type of pre-game, uh, big-time game feeling, I think that's going to yeah. help uh, with the support. Luckily, the match is 9 o'clock, so it's a regular time. It's not like yeah. last time when it was a 7 or 6.45, I believe, which yeah. is, quote-unquote, early here for, for Spain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, any, any, any last thoughts on yesterday's match? I mean, obviously, the most important thing was to get the three points, to climb up a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, you beat the the your rival, your city rival. And, again, I mean, I saw enough positives yesterday that I'm, I'm okay with what I'm seeing. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. But I just yeah. really love, I, just as an optimistic uh, point of view here with just the, the youth that we have, it's just incredible yeah. that we have, like, eight to ten players that are contributing and will contribute for a long time as long as they're coached well and they understand yeah. what it takes to be a Barca player. Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday's game was to script. I mean, I think if everybody, you know, that that pays attention probably would have scripted it. I figured it'd be a one nothing or 2 nothing game. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. There just hasn't been that much time for Chabri to come in and put his, his approach in this team and for them to understand it. We talked about everything that you would have, that you would have nailed and, and forecasted. So this is going to be a super tough game against Benfica. Uh, scares the the heck out of me because uh, I certainly would obviously want us to win so we can continue on and move out of the group. Uh, if we don't win, I haven't looked at the numbers. So I'm not sure if we lose. I'm not sure if we're out. But in the long game, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't to me. It doesn't really matter. I already know that our futures. You know, we're we've taken a huge leap in the in the right direction. So. Uh, what, either way, we'll, we'll be right. Then if we're out, then we can fight for La Liga, which I think that we certainly can. I think this team can go on a run and, and push forward. So, um, it'll, again, I already got some butterflies for that game <laughs> next week already. You know, certainly talking about it today, but watching video and watching the team, uh, you know, with their the, the training that they did today, you know, they were having a great time. Their spirits looked higher than I've seen them in a long time. You know, they were doing some little contests, you know, within the team, um, you know, these little games that they were doing, they were, they were having a great time. The team looks loose. They look like they're ready for, for to take on this challenge of getting better. Um, I'm just ready to see it happen. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to be a fan and sit on the sideline and yeah, have yeah, to yeah. wait. Yeah. But, you know, again, we saw two more players come in from La Masia, right? We saw Elias yeah. and Abde. So, for me, it's again, this season's yeah. incredible because even though, you know, obviously it hasn't gone, like you said, with, you know, with Kuman in the beginning of the year and stuff, but, like, all this youth and talent, not only they are now going to be expected to perform, right? They yeah. can't just hide yeah. under all these veteran players. And so I think that's really going to help them with this season. And I just love yeah. that Xavi's already including that. You know, I, that to me is a big sign of, of understanding, like you said, uh, the Barca B uh, team and players and what they can do to contribute to this season. So, yeah, we'll be watching the match, obviously, on Tuesday. And then, obviously, on Saturday, it's at Villarreal, which, again, is going to be a tough yeah. out as well because they're playing very well. And also, that, that stadium is a tough place. That place feels 
as all the fans are on top of you. You know, it's one of those yeah. stadiums where yeah. they, they feel that. So, yeah, so two tough matches. But, again, we're excited. Uh, club football is finally back after what seemed like a month layover. It was only two weeks, but, man, it seemed like it was forever. <laughs> forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Troy, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll talk soon. As always. Yep, bye-bye. Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.